Hello and welcome to another story episode of Voice of the Fire. This is the last of our week or week and a half of Indian stories and Indian themes. I'm going to tell you another story uh, from South India, a Tamil story that shows that even in some Indian stories the gods walk among men. It is called Outwitting Fate. A young Brahman in search of knowledge had heard about a great sage and philosopher who lived in the heart of a dense forest far from the madness of civilization. So he walked for days through the thorns of the jungle and the menace of wild beasts till he reached the lonely cottage on the bank of a river where the great sage lived. The old sage welcomed the young seeker, accepted him as his disciple and gave him a place to stay in his hut. The young man served the master and his wife in various ways, did some of the household chores and learned all he could from the old master. Now the old man was still youthful and in his old age his wife became pregnant for the first time. Just when she was eight months into her pregnancy, the sage had a desire to go and visit the source of the holy river by which he lived. As he could not take her with him, he entrusted her to the care of his disciple and another sage's wife. The old sage's wife was ready to give birth and, at the appropriate time, went into labor. The woman friend stayed with her inside the cottage and the disciple waited outside, anxiously praying that she should safely give birth to a healthy baby. Now, Hindus believe that Brahma, the creator, is present at the birth of every child and writes on the newborn infant's forehead his or her future. He is supposed to arrive just at the moment of birth, just when the child leaves the mother's womb to enter the world. He is, of course, invisible to ordinary mortals, but the young disciple's eyes were not exactly those of any ordinary mortal. His master had given him all kinds of knowledge and various powers, so he was startled to see a person entering most unceremoniously the cottage where his master's wife was giving birth. Stop right there, the disciple said angrily. The great god shuddered, for no one so far had ever seen him or stopped him like this in his eternal round of duties. He was astonished and quite bewildered when he heard the following words of rebuke. You, old Brahman, what do you think you're doing? Entering my master's cottage without so much as a word? Right in front of me? My teacher's wife is in labour. You can't go in there. Brahma hastily explained to the young man who he was and what he was about to do. The baby had already begun to leave the womb, and he had very little time to waste. When the young man heard who he was, he tied his upper cloth around his waist as a mark of respect before an elder, and the god prostrated himself before Brahma and begged his pardon. Brahma was in a hurry. He wanted to go in at once, but the young man would not let him go until he had told him what he meant to write on the forehead of the newborn child. Son, said Brahma, even I do not know what my stylus will write on the forehead of the newborn, 
As the child comes into the world, I place the stylus on its head, and it writes the fate of the child according to its good or bad acts in its previous life. You shouldn't stop me here. I have to go in at once. Then, said the young man, on your way out, you must tell me what was written on the forehead of my guru's child. All right, said Brahma in a hurry, and went in. In a moment he returned, and the young man asked the god what his stylus had written. Son, I'll tell you what I wrote, said Brahma, but if you tell anyone about it, your head will split into a thousand pieces. The child is a boy. He has a hard life before him. A buffalo and a sack of rice will be his share in life. He'll have to live on it. What can be done? What? O father of the gods, this child is the son of a great sage. Is this his fate? cried the disciple. What do I have to do with it? Such are the fruits of a former life. What's sown in the past must be reaped in the present. But remember what I said. If you reveal this secret to anyone, your head will explode in a thousand pieces. Then Brahma vanished, leaving the young disciple bewildered by what he had heard and pained by the thought of what a hard life awaited his guru's newborn son. But he could tell no one about it. His guru returned from his pilgrimage and was delighted to see his wife and child doing well. And the young disciple forgot his sorrow in the learned company of the old sage. Three more years passed in deep study. And again the old sage decided to go on a pilgrimage to the sacred source of the Dungabhadra river. Again his wife was pregnant, and he had to leave her in the care of his disciple and the friend's wife. This time too Brahma came at the moment of birth. The young man was waiting for him. Brahma was again stopped at the door and promised to tell the young man what his stylus would write on the forehead of the second child. On his way out, the god told the young man, The child is a girl this time. My stylus has written that she has to earn her living as a prostitute, sell her body every night. Remember what I told you last time. If you tell this to anyone, your head will split into a thousand pieces. Don't forget. When Brahma left, the young man was still in shock. The daughter of the holiest of men was fated to live the life of a prostitute. He was so deeply hurt by the thought that he couldn't even find the language for it. After turning it over and over in his mind for days, he consoled himself with the thought that fate alone governs human lives. The old sage returned from his pilgrimage, and the young disciple spent two more years with him. At the end of these years, when the boy was five and the girl two, the disciple himself decided to go on a pilgrimage to the Himalayas. The thought of the growing children and the miserable life that was waiting for them filled him with pain and even anger, though he consoled himself again and again with thoughts of fate. With his guru's permission, he left the forest hut and his guru's family and journeyed towards the Himalayas. He visited many towns and learned men, lived with and learned from many sages. He wandered for twenty years, examining the world, understanding human nature, 
pondering the ways of providence. Then he decided to return to his guru's place on the banks of the river where he had begun his studies. But when he got there he found that his guru had died and so had his wife. His heart heavy with sorrow over their passing, he went to the nearest town in search of his guru's children. After a while he found a coolie with a single buffalo. He had once recognized his guru's son in this poor man. What Brahma's iron pen had written on his forehead had come to pass. The disciple's heart grew heavier. He could hardly bear to see his great guru's son, a poor man living off a single buffalo. He followed the poor man to his hut, where he had a family, a wife, and two ill-fed children. There was a sacking of rice in his house, and no more. Each day the family anxiously took out little of it, husked it, and cooked it. When the sack was empty, with his coolie's savings, he was able to get one more sack, that's all. That's how they lived, just as the stylus of Brahma had written. The disciple started a conversation with the sage's son, calling it by name, and asked, Do you know me? The coolie was astonished to hear his name from the lips of an utter stranger. The disciple introduced himself and explained who he was, and begged him to follow his advice. As the disciple was himself middle-aged and looked like a sage, the coolie was impressed. Then the disciple said, Son, please do as I tell you. As soon as you wake up tomorrow, take your buffalo and sack of rice and sell them in the market for whatever price they'll fetch. Don't think twice about it. Buy whatever you need for a great dinner for you and your family and finish it all by tomorrow evening. Leave not even a mouthful for the next day. Reserve nothing. With the rest of the money, feed the poor and give gifts to the best Brahmans in town. You'll never regret it. I'm your father's disciple, and I'm telling you this for your own welfare. Trust me. But the coolie couldn't believe him. What will I do to feed four mouths in this house if I sell it all tomorrow? He cried. You Brahmans are always advising poor people like me to give it all to Brahmans. It's all very well for you. You are at the receiving end. But his wife, who had overheard this conversation, intervened. She said, This gentleman looks like a wise man, just like your father who was his guru. He must know something we don't. Let's follow his advice for one day and see. The coolie's doubts broke down when she also supported the holy man. The next day, somewhat anxiously, he sold his buffalo and his sack of rice. What he bought with the money was enough to feed fifty Brahmans morning and evening, as well as his own family. So that day he fed people other than his own family for the first time in his life. When he went to bed that night, after his unusual day, he couldn't sleep. He got up in the middle of the night and found his father's disciple sleeping on the flat ground outside his hut. The disciple was wakened by the coolie's arrival and asked him what the matter was. The coolie said, Sir, I've done as you've told me. In a few hours it will be dawn. 
What will I do when my wife and my children wake up? What will I feed them? I've nothing left. Not a piece, not a handful of rice, and no buffalo to give us milk. The disciple showed him some money he had. It was enough to buy another buffalo and a sack of rice. And he asked him to go back to bed, sleep well till morning, and see what happened. The coolie had bad dreams that night and woke up early. When he went out to wash his face at the well, he looked at the makeshift shed where he used to feed his buffalo some straw first thing every morning. The thought occurred to him that he didn't have a buffalo to feed this morning. But, to his astonishment, he found another buffalo standing there. He thought, The fray on poverty! It makes you dream of buffaloes when you have none. It was still dark, so he went in and brought out a lamp to see if the buffalo was real. It was a real beast, and beside it was a sack of rice. His heart leapt with joy, and he ran out to tell the holy man, to tell his father's disciple. But when he heard the news, the disciple said with a disgusted air, My dear man, why do you care so much? Why do you feel so overjoyed? Take the beast and the sack of rice at once and sell them as you did yesterday. Give your family and the Brahmans another terrific meal. The coolie obeyed, this time without any misgivings. He sold the buffalo and the sack of rice, bought provisions and again fed his family and fifty Brahmans keeping nothing back. Thus it went in the house of the sage's son. Every morning he found a buffalo and a sack of rice, which he sold and fed his family and the Brahmans with the money. A month passed. The holy man was now sure that this kind of good life had become an established fact in the life of his guru's son. So one day he said, When I heard that my great guru's son was living a wretched life, I had to do something about it. I've done what I could. You're now living comfortably. Continue to do what you've been doing. Reserve nothing for yourself. If you do, your happiness will end. If you hoard the money, this good fortune will desert you. The sage's son had seen with his own eyes and felt with his own hands the good fortune that had come to him thanks to the holy man's advice. He wholeheartedly agreed to do everything the holy man said to the last detail. Then the holy man said, I've got to do something else now. Tell me where your sister is. She was two years old when I last saw her twenty years ago. Where is she now? The sage's son choked on tears when his sister was mentioned. Don't ask about her, he said. She's lost to the world. I'm ashamed of her and don't want even to think of her at this happy time. The disciple remembered very well what Brahma's iron pen had written on her brow. He said, never mind, just tell me where she is. She's in the next village. She's the village prostitute, said the sage's son, finding it hard to say. Then the holy man took leave of the sage's son after blessing him and his wife and children. He wanted now to find his master's daughter 
and do something for her. He set out for the village where she lived. He reached her house before nightfall and knocked at the door. The door was open at once, for no one in her profession ever waited for a second knock. When she looked out, she was surprised to see a holy man at her door. Do you know me? he asked. She did not. He then explained who he was. When she heard that he was her father's disciple, she wept bitterly. Shame at the thought that she, the daughter of a great sage, was now a common prostitute. That stung her to tears, and she fell at his feet. Then she explained how poverty had brought her to this pass, and how miserable she was. He consoled her, and said, Daughter, my heart burns to see how necessity has driven you to this wretched life. But you can do something about it. If you are willing to follow my advice, you can live a different life. Shut your door tonight and say that you'll open it only to someone who brings you a large measure full of pearls of the first water. Do it just for tonight and I'll talk to you in the morning. She was disgusted with the life she led, so she readily agreed, in spite of all her doubts, to follow the holy man's advice. She bolted the door. When her customers came and knocked on it, she told them from within that her price had gone up. It was nothing less than a large measure of pearls. Her customers thought she was crazy, and they left. The night was coming to a close, and she was worried. Who was there in the village who could bring her a measure full of the best pearls? But Brahma's prophecy had to be fulfilled somehow. So when no mortal came to her that night as a customer, in the small hours of the night Brahma himself assumed the shape of a young man and visited her with a measure full of pearls and stayed the night with her. She now had a god for a lover. He left at dawn. The sage's daughter told the holy man that after all a man, a wonderful man, had visited her with a measure full of pearls. The holy man knew his suggestion had worked. He said, from today on you're among the purest of women. There are few people in the world who can afford to bring you a measure of pearls every night. So." Whoever brought you these pearls last night must continue to bring them to you every night. He'll be your only lover and husband. No one else must ever touch you. Just do as I say. Sell all the pearls he brings you every day and spend all the money you get on feeding the poor. Keep nothing for the next day. Hoard nothing. Give it all away. The day you fail to do this, you lose your husband and fall back into your old wretched life. Will you do as I say? The sage's daughter happily agreed. The holy man then went to live under a tree near her house to see if his plan would work. He was happy to see that it did. When he was satisfied with the happy turn of events for his sage's son and daughter, he took leave of her to go on another pilgrimage. On the day of his departure he woke up too early. The moon was up. He had heard the crows cawing and mistaken it for the silence of dawn. He got up and began his journey. He had not gone too far when he met a beautiful person walking towards him leading a buffalo. He carried a second of rice on his head and a bundle of pearls was slung over his shoulder.
"'Who are you, sir, walking like this in the forest?' asked the holy man. The man with the buffalo threw down the sack at this question and almost wept as he replied, "'Look, my head has become almost bald from carrying this sack of rice every night to that coolie's house. I lead this buffalo to that man's shed, then I dress up and carry these pearls to his sister's house.' My iron pen wrote their fates on their foreheads. Thanks to you, you wretched clever man, I have to supply them whatever was promised at their birth. When will you relieve me of these burdens? Brahma wept, for it was none other than Brahma himself. Not till you grant them a good ordinary life and happiness, said the holy man. Brahma did exactly that and was relieved of his troubles in these two cases. Thus were fate and Brahma outwitted.